Hello and welcome to the MacroFab Engineering Podcast. We are your hosts, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. This is episode 294. So if you are a listener, a long-term listener to the podcast, come check out our Twitch live stream. We are live streaming right now, actually. Um, we actually had like, we could have recorded an entire podcast before this episode even started. We, we just chatted with everyone in chat for like an hour. We have a ton of fun before the recording. So if you, uh, yeah, if you're interested, uh, join us live on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash macrofab, Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Central. Yeah, and I think we do need to put a, like, survey out to figure out when ideal times would be, because Tuesday at 6 o'clock is kind of a weird time, but that's the time that we record the podcast normally. But honestly, we could probably move that around to whenever and what and whatever. Yeah, we just want to hang out and have fun. So if there's a time that's better for people, then you know we'll make it work. Yeah. Expect a survey soon in a Slack channel near you. Okay. So this week I've been working on kind of a new project, but an old project at the same time. So we were doing a lot of hooking up, like automating test equipment, like digital multimeters using Python, over a USB connection and Skippy SCPI. Um, and I was actually kind of run- and I was running into some problems early on. This is like months ago. And um, basically with issues with USB connectivity, right? Where like a device would drop out and then I had to write code to basically go find that COM port again and reconnect if it got disconnected. And actually that works quite well. Um, but I started looking at like how often that happens in my test equipment and it can make up like 15% of your cycle time Hmm. of like a device dropping out and then having to reconnect it. It doesn't happen like in a row or whatever, but it's a, a, it ends up being quite a substantial section of your, of your cycle times uh, or it could be. Um, So I started thinking of alternate, how else do I talk to these devices and it be more stable maybe. Um, most test equipment I found also are allowed to, you can have ethernet on it or LAN, I guess, um, local area networks. Um, so I started testing that stuff out. So I hooked up some, my, my meters scopes and stuff to a, uh, an ethernet switch and then hooked that up to my laptop and then kind of made my own. I had to like learn, um, basic networking cause I've never done anything past like DHCP which is, you know, dynamically allocating IPs. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to set IPs. I had to set a gateway, all that fun stuff. Um, and I got managed to get working and it surprisingly was, ends up being faster. And I haven't had a device drop out yet. Hmm. And I think what, the, what it comes down to is um, USB stack software that's like, in scopes and that kind of stuff is generally garbage (laughs) and is not really good at handling being disconnected and reconnected, like having a hiccup in the communication. Um, And also on the windows side where how it handles com ports where um, if a com port disconnects or has a problem, windows will try to reestablish it and then assign it the same com port. And so that, the program doesn't know anything bad happened, right? 
it tries to like smooth over the cracks of spackle uh, whereas linux on the other hand will just let it drop and then reconnect as a new com port and so linux you have to like scan for a new port whereas windows it's generally the same port which in some cases is easier but it you in linux you know something bad happened because your old com port's not there anymore it so just you can go disappears. shut down <laughs> and then you can reconnect a new one uh whereas in windows stuff tends to work fine until it just straight up doesn't work like a device will like hard lock because of that underlying driver connectivity thing that windows is there's probably a specific name that w what it does in windows but i don't know it um so ethernet the great also the good thing about ethernet is it comes with free isolation um most of the time on usb the shield on the usb on the test equipment is also attached to the shield of the chassis of your test equipment which is also attached to um like on a scope it's attached to the outside of that bnc connector as well so the bnc connector shielding is connected to the chassis of your scope it was also connected to the shield of the usb and so when you plug in your laptop you are now like creating this entire chain of of shielding that if you would depending on what you hook up to can either cause catastrophe and uh ground loops um had a lot of fun exploding uh oscilloscopes and stuff trying to figure that stuff out um and uh so yeah oh and ethernet you don't need software drivers like for your laptop or your computer like you don't have to install drivers because it's just like it's just an ip address that you're hitting now right instead of uh actually having to handle a usb stack on the windows side or whatever com port it could be or something like that um so far it's been pretty good i just got it working oh yes uh uh kc8 in twitch chat makes a good point here make sure you don't accidentally use shielded ethernet cabling because then you get rid of the isolation because now you still have the same problem with shielded um cabling and the the thing great thing about ethernet is it's kind of um it's has a really good rejection of noise already it's low voltage signal differential and it's twisted pairs so most That's time you, you don't get away with long distance on it long distance and you don't really need uh, a shielded cable like you would with with usb um i've been pretty happy with it so far i have to do more testing and I actually do want to like um, implement it into a tester and actually figure out if it's actually more stable. Um, but so far, I've been finding that it is it is faster and better. Um, well, than yeah, the USB. and and when you say isolation, Ethernet by design is galvanically isolated, right? It has transformers Correct. in the connector. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's by design isolated already, whereas USB is not, and so you have to buy like you know a $10 chip that does it for you or like a $40 dongle that goes in series in your uh in series of your USB cable um, I, I spoke with um a, a gentleman at uh QSC they make um power monitors and stuff monitors as in like uh, audio uh speaker monitors and they have uh a series of monitors that 
all audio is run over ethernet. So it's basically like you can install permanent speakers in your restaurant or your office or whatever, and you just run power and ethernet to it. And it's your hundred percent done, which is really cool. I love that. Yeah. It would be even more interesting if they could, if there was like a, a power over ethernet test equipments, because then you wouldn't have to run like 120 volts uh, out to all your devices in your test rig. Um, that might be something interesting to look at uh, whenever we get around to designing that DMM that we were talking about mm -hmm. and actually making that only Ethernet instead of USB. We were talking about making it USB, but it might be it, the way to go is make it Ethernet compatible instead and then also make it power over Ethernet because um, then you would only have, you, you basically your switch, your Ethernet switch, which would be would replace the hub, USB hub in your in your test rack could be a power ethernet one as well so you would only have one power source input and then you know it's just less wires mm -hmm. easier to maintain by your uh operators and that kind of stuff um we'll have to see have it's to also it's out. also easier you can be anywhere in your building and ping your equipment right you don't yeah, have you to be, be within can, six feet of it yeah technically you could be anywhere in the world too well you're if right, you, right if you if you exposed your test rig to <laughs> i was about Wild to say West. if you punch a hole in your router <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so expanding on that um basically i was trying that out today this morning um during some like meetings i'm like eh, i don't really need to pay too much attention to this meeting i'm gonna write some python <laughs> um so are I you having to rewrite all the code that you already have that's the great thing you don't have to um because i was writing on top of the skippy you know PyVisa um skippy library all you have to do is instead of setting up a usb device when you're setting up your com, uh, communications all you have to do is set up it you have to set the point to an ip address instead instead of saying com port one that's the digital multimeter you go no that's ip 192.168.2.1 and, and you let windows block, handle everything else from there <laughs> and you let the windows networking stack which is phenomenal compared to the usb stack it also also handles you know drop packets correctly and all that stuff um that's it's it's fundamentally a much better system um i guess the only downside is it's also the downside with usb as well though is um it could be there could be a lag or it, it's in it's a what's the right word for it um non-deterministic and timing so if you need to send like a sync pulse or whatever um what first of all you can't do that over usb either but you can't definitely can't do that over ethernet um by design because it's designed to be an asynchronous communication protocol uh tcp ip um which is why on the back of your meters and stuff like that you have a a sync pulse like input that you could put in it happens when it happens happens when it happens um generally it happens pretty quickly though especially if there's no other stuff on the network um so once i got that working i got all my my multimeters and my scopes and my power supplies all talking over skippy with ethernet through a local hub uh or i shouldn't say hub local switch a hub is a different thing um ethernet hub's different um and i was like okay that's all my devices, but what about my custom hardware? 
and because it's running on there's basically an Arduino Mega just plugged in onto that board um, and I'm like okay well there's Ethernet shields for Arduino how good are they so I got one right here and I hooked it up and I actually in like 30 minutes I was able to get Skippy talking over a local LAN through that Ethernet port and it works. Did you just pull up whatever their example code is and then just port it over? Yeah, I took I took their example code and then I took my Skippy code and I just went like that. <laughs> just zippered them together. Yeah, zippered them all together and then hit compile and it worked and I'm like, ah, it works. Awesome. Nice. So the hardware, or at least the fixtures I have now, I'm not going to rerun boards for them, of course. But I will get mo. I'll get. 90% of the communication over Ethernet now. So I'm converting a lot of the fixtures over to Ethernet now just for stability reasons. Um, pretty happy with it. Um, we'll see. I'm hoping next week, like, I have, like, it is better or it is the same. It can't be worse. <laughs> I guess technically it could be worse, but I, I, don't, I don't think so. My um, initial tests are showing that it's way more stable because I haven't had any disconnects. It's like, actually, I have it like, it's still at HQ, like, pinging the rack, and the rack is still, like, working correctly. Whereas the USB would have to, like, had reset by, like, three or four times by now. And you had to write just a bunch of if reset, do this kind of code, right? On the USB side, yeah. But on right. the IP side, like, it hasn't even hit those reset routines yet. It just Let it sit working. there and ping for, like, a full week. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to take it down tomorrow morning and, like, actually get it to start doing tests. Because right now it's just, like, talking to the modules and making sure, hey, are you awake? Are you awake? Are you awake? That's what it's doing right now. I mean, that's good enough, right? If you prove that, then it, then that's functioning, yeah, right? Yeah. But tomorrow I want to, like, set up to actually do testing yeah. and actually run through all the tests and make sure. Because there's more stuff that happens, like running 300 watts of power through cables and that kind of stuff in, in that tester. I see. So it's like mean. it is like the worst case scenario for a tester. Uh, the well, but 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 like you said, with with twisted pair Ethernet and uh, and isolation, it's sort of the the better option in that situation. It is way better. It, it should be better. It should be better. Yeah. So we'll see. Because you're hoping on common mode uh, noise. Um, yes. Rejection. So. Cool. Exactly. Um. So I was thinking about your, you got your comment down here, uh, the bias test connector. Yeah. I don't know if we, I think you should talk about that before I jump into my next thing. Yeah, le, yeah, let me, let me jump on that. So I think they're kind of paired, they'll pair together really well. This is uh, just, this is a relatively quick one, but but I've been developing my bias test system, which that's been going fairly well. Um, I'm still writing code for it. I actually, I'm running into a goofy thing where, uh, I, you know, previously I had it um, running channels, well, one channel and pinging it and getting data off of one channel, and I expanded that to multiple channels, and then I was like, okay, great. So this is all functioning well, so I'm going to expand it to all channels. And I do that, and the only thing that's changed is now I'm now going all channels as opposed to a few. That's the only thing I changed in my code, and it'll do like four or five reads, and then the Arduino just craps, and, and it'll stop communicating. So I've got some kind of goofy 
timing USB bug to work out with this, uh, which is annoying. But regardless, I'm working sort of on the other end of the, the connector or the uh, bias test system. I, I developed a, uh, a test connector. Uh, we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but I've been I've been looking for some kind of thing I can use in production that allows me to connect to my main PCB without populating a connector on my main PCB because I'm, I'm making an OTC. I call it a one-time connect thing such that in production at the very end of production, I plug in a test header thing that connects to my board, gathers data, the user will unplug it. And then hopefully in the life of the device, it never gets used again. So I don't want to spend money and populate a connector for a one-time test. Um, so I, I ended up developing a little, test connector that uses pogo pins on the actual connector side of it and then on the main pcb there's just a bunch of exposed pads and what's nice about this is is all of the uh the pogo pins they have a they have a decent diameter i don't remember what it's like 70 thou it's actually fairly fat and they have about two millimeters of travel um so the thing is I can have up to 500 volts on these pogo pins. So I have to space them out properly. But whenever I'm not using the connector, there's still voltage on the pads that these pogo pins connect to. But because the pogo pins have a domed head on them, I can actually make the test pads a lot smaller than the pads that the, um, uh, the pogo pins themselves solder into, which is great because in the lifetime of the device, it would be terrible if the device shorted due to a one-time connector thing so uh it's it's kind of nice because the so the target pads I'm, i i was able to uh shrink them considerably so i have a huge amount of distance in between each pad my creepage and my clearance distance is well over what i need which is spot on what i was trying to de design um, the next hurdle that, uh, with this connector was to make it such that it's really easy to plug in and it holds in place. Like, I don't want hands inside of my devices because there's some safety precautions about that. And I want, I want the user to plug it in, press a button on the computer, and then the computer does everything else. Um, so sort of like a tag connect connector, but I... At first, I was like, ah, can, uh, do I design my own Tag Connect? Do I get Parker to 3D print me crap and send it up here? And I was I was going that route, and I was like, there's got to be a solution. So I ended up go finding on um, Pen 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 Engineering their uh, their website. They have these uh, these hardware studs that are called uh, the part number is SMT SSS dash four millimeter dash six ET, which is basically it's a uh, it's a PCB connector that is uh, a, a steel stud that is uh, cut with it's basically split such that it has a spring action to it. So uh, so with you solder them into my little connector board and just put holes on the board that it's supposed to mate to, and this should snap into place and hold the, all the pogo pins right where they need to be and be relatively easy to pull out once uh, once you're done. Um, so I have a handful of those. What's funny is in the component shortage right now, if you try to go find these, they're not available anywhere in the world right now. The PEM studs? And no, not well, this particular PEM stud. Actually, this entire family of PEM studs can't find them anywhere. And Mauser's like, I'm going to get them December 12th or whatever. And I'm like, I don't want to wait that long. So I found them. <laughs> so uh, PEM hit me up the other day and I was like, samples? <laughs> and so they were like, sure, why not? So they found a place that... Um, 
they usually sell them by the reel in thousands, but they were willing to do some cut tape and send me some samples, which is great because right now for development, I only need three of these uh, for my little connector thing. So, so the the hope is that it's it's really easy to snap in and snap out. And uh, since these studs are made of steel, they like basically just cut steel. If they ever if they ever weaken a little bit, you can just put a screwdriver in it and pry them open just a little bit more and give them some more uh, grip strength. Um, so but I, in reality, I, go ahead. No, keep going. Sorry. I, I didn't know I was going to cut you off. Oh, no. Well, I mean, I, I was just saying basically um, they're not going to be used very much. It's not like I'm using them on 10,000 devices. It's more like it would be it would be great to see them used on 100 uh, so I think I think they will certainly survive that. Um, I've used the, the this family before, yeah. and I have the exact opposite problem: is that they have ridiculous hold strength, and they are impo- It's like they're they're great for installing, terrible for removing. <laughs> sure. So so I actually I I designed a board the other day that's it's on its way now, um, but I I put five copies of this footprint with varying hole sizes on them. Uh, so the, 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 the data sheet recommends some hole and yeah, it is supposed to be, it's not like a one-time thing. It is supposed to be removable, but once, once you click it in, it's supposed to hold pretty damn well. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping to kind of use like a that tool. off a little bit. Um, oh, to I kind actually, of like press it in. Yeah. Actually it. I made a tool that it's just a, it's just a, a hole, like a tube basically that yeah. presses over it and, it, and it, it shrinks the, the arms head in. so you can pull it off. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm thinking that if I just oversize the hole, I can kind of fine tune its grip strength because it just has. To, I have 16 pogo pins. It just has to be good enough to hold back the spring force of 16 pogo pins, which yeah. are not much, right? Yeah. The only only other thing I can think of with it is um, is those pem studs being really strong. And you basically snap in your connector in, it never never comes out ever again. <laughs> um, but it was um, oh, I can't remember what else I was going to say about those those hemp studs. Well, here's the, here's the nice thing: the location on my main board that this is going to click into has four uh, beefy hardware studs that that mount this board to the chassis. So, I mean, right in that area. So I'm not expecting much PCB flex whatsoever, even if this is a pretty stiff connection. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not terribly worried about that. Also, all of my pads are enormous, and the traces are too, so I'm not worried about too much flex uh, damage. We'll see. I've got a test board coming on its way. It, it'll be funny because I'm going to have an actual physical amp with wires going to a test board. This test board will have um, uh, terminal strips that go off to one of my footprints, that go off to one of this new test connector, that go off to a ribbon cable, that go off to the bias test. So like, I'm trying to test all the way down the system without actually building the entire system. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so what I was saying is, um, the other thing is, because you're trying different hole sizes. Uh Uh-huh. It's going to be interesting, depending on the PCB board fab, it's going to depend on what drill they actually use for that hole, which mm-hmm. is funny to think about, people. But um, depending on the fab, they can have either 
they usually either have a metric drill machine or they have an imperial drill machine. And it doesn't matter what country it is. It's it depends on the fab because it's depending on the fab whether or not they have a they might have both, but most of the time they have one or the other. Or they might just mill the circle. Well they might depending if it's big enough, yeah. They might mill the mill the circle. And so but the thing is if you designed a imperial hole and you shipped it to a fad that use is going to use a metric hole. They just they actually will just pick a, a metric hole that's just close to the size within well, okay. within their tolerance. I was about stated. to say, yeah, they, they they state their tolerance on it. They'll pick one that overlaps between yes. a drill. Yes. Yeah. Um. And so they'll pick something that's in that tolerance range, which might be bad for this. It might be on the edge <laughs> of your tolerance. Might yeah or yeah might be on the edge of one of those tolerances which makes these pem studs either bite too hard or bite not enough. That's the only other thing I can think of that might be bad. Now, if you standardize on one board manufacturer, then you probably won't have to worry about it. I ordered these boards from the same one that I would order production from right now, yeah. or at least I'm planning to. And I don't think that this is so. The I've got three of these pem studs. They hold like crazy. And like I said, they're only holding back against three or 16 mm-hmm. small springs. I think I could get away with with a, a, a reduced hole or a, a hole size that's larger that would reduce the holding force and make it easier for inserts and, and um, taking it out. Yeah. Um, so in Twitch chat, DJ mentions, so tag connect question mark. The reason why yeah. I, I'll answer this, the reason, at least I think the reason why, the reason why not tag connect is because of the high voltage. A hundred percent. Yeah. Tag connect is like 30 volts maximum. I don't remember what it is, um, it, but it's, I need, okay. So I need 500 volts minimum um, during test. It, this, this connector could be subjected to 500 volts. So what's your, what's your creepage? Keep t- keep talking because I'm going to go find my tag connect and I have my my multi uh, my uh, calipers and I'm going to measure what the creepage on this would be. My creepage right now, or my clearance distance from pad edge to pad edge, is over seventy five thou. Uh, I think it's actually a little bit bigger than that, eighty something uh, thou. The 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 biggest problem with this is is even if tag connect could handle five hundred volts, the pads on the main pcb that i'm trying to read uh those need to be able to withstand the voltage when the amp is actually running which um due to the fact that my amps use an output transformer the voltage can swing well over the steady state quiescent voltage so say i have an amp that's running at 500 volts um in steady state that might be fine for uh for the test connector but uh, when you're playing at full bore, that 500 could swing up to 750, 800 volts. So I need to be able to have enough clearance for that on my PCB. And just there's guaranteed that Tag Connect isn't going to work. So the whole goal here is to make a Tag Connect-like system that can handle 500 it's, volts. So You need a bigger pitch because the so what I measured is on the Tag Connect. So a Tag Connect is a connector... Um, that's got basically pogo pins in it so yeah. that you press it into the board and it flexes and hits all the contacts. Yeah. And so a pogo pin is 
a, a shaft of brass, basically, that goes into a sleeve of brass that's got a, pin, a spring in it, and so that when you move the shaft in and out, the spring compresses and allows some compliance in the connection. Yeah. Um, so your your closest connection, which would be your creepage, uh, well, it uh, could be either. In, right? in this case, it's both. Yeah, yeah. Um, is basically between the sleeves right. of the pogo pins, because those are the largest diameter part of the pogo pin, and those measure twenty five mils, which you know you could get away with. I don't know. Uh, what 25 could do you're not going to get 500 on 25 mils so it's 25 mil i have clearance. i have 0.125 i have eighth of an inch clearance between uh well that's my pitch is eighth of an inch on my pogo yeah. pins and uh and that's exactly so what you're talking about is the sleeve of the pogo pins that that matters for my connector but the target pads on the main PCB are smaller than the sleeves of those. So I have higher clearance for, for when the test connector is off and the amp is just running. But when I'm actually doing the test, my clearance goes down because the connector's in there. But I'm not actually sending signal through my amp when I'm doing the test. I don't want to actually do that. So it sits at whatever that quiescent voltage, and I've designed all my amps to be 500 or lower. So I can handle the, the slightly lower clearance when the connector's plugged in but when it's not plugged in i have even higher clearance so it kind of all works out so doing a quick uh just throw numbers at a online calculator for uh, ipc 2221b um a tag connect if we're just going off the sleeve of the pogo pin that's in the connector itself because it could be even closer inside yeah. of the of the molded enclosure but i don't know and I bet you Tachinet probably might have a specification, and we just we're just ignoring whatever it says on their website. But the sleeves have uh, you, they, you could do a hundred volts, um, okay. because it's a uh, hundred volts needs twenty four mils of clearance. At okay, so maybe maybe you could do forty eight and feel comfortable. Yeah, if you wanted to have a two x margin, yeah, yeah. Um. But I mean, in all reality, we're doing like five volt max on Tag Connect. Yeah, most time you're doing low voltage. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, uh, like that's programming the whole point. on Tag Connect. Um, and most of those ribbon cables are rated at 300 volts. So you're you're pretty much your limiting factor is the pitch of the uh, the actual pogos. Yes. I'm trying to see if they actually have a specification on on the. Voltage. And I don't think so, because I think a lot of times they sell them as applications. They don't sell, like, this as a cable. They say, this plugs into X programmer, um, which is probably a smart oh, way it, to do it. Oh, it inherits its, uh, its numbers. Yes. It inherits the it, its environment, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, I, I think, it, it, no, no. What, here's what it is. If you're asking these questions, Tag Connect's not right for you. Um. Could be because like I built I built a lot of adapter boards for Tacnex that look like this. Yeah, that allowed me to use like one style of Tacnex. Because Tacnex, I'll put it this way: they are expensive. They are like sixty dollars. They are expensive, Um, but they are so nice. But I only what I do is I buy one style, and then I build adapter boards that allow me to plug multiple different programmers into them. Um. And also the great thing about doing that is you can abuse them by 
using pins that let's say a programmer only has uh, is only using two pins out of like the six pins on TechConnect. Well, you have four other pins to do other things with, like apply power and ground through it. Mm-hmm. And so you can do you so you can power your board. Uh, so because a lot of programmers don't a lot don't power up don't have power over the programmer um, or that they do it's very limited and you can't like power an entire let's for example pinball board but i can power an entire pinball board over tag connect with my adapter board which is really nice when you are doing testing and validation because then i only have to do is plug that one thing in and it gets power and all that good stuff and you- so i so it's interesting that they don't actually specify that they might i'd look really quickly on the website i didn't see it um, if they do, we'll update it next week and saying that they, they have that specification. Um, but I wouldn't be uh, surprised if it's somewhere, if we went digging. Yeah, but I, so I, I definitely abuse it because I, I do put power. Now the most power I've ever put over TechNet is 12 volts. And actually that's the first time I ever measured the, the clearance on it too. So, um, I would not, I would probably be okay up to like 75 volts. But again, the problem, the problem with it though. Is you have exposed pins that's at whatever voltage it is too. Well, okay, but and th- your and your fingers tend to be down by the pogo pins as you're like jabbing it into the board. So high voltage is probably not a good thing. To no, use it's not for. good. Well, okay, and 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 here's the thing: what what you're also assuming there is that the contacts on the PCB are exactly the same diameter as the pins, and you're hitting yes. them spot central in the right in the center. Yeah, yeah. So your your clearance is going to be less on the PCB footprint than it will be on there. So it's probably not even a hundred volts from the footprint side. Yeah, I'm just saying from the yeah from, from the, the pogo pin spacing. So we we got a product that uh, we're, we're getting a little spiffy with at work. Um, I designed it now such that the Tag Connect is multi-use, so you can plug it into a programmer and um, and program your processor, and then you unplug it from the programmer and you plug it into a separate header, and it can control the processor on the board, rearranges the uh, programming pins, and it can control a. Um, a uh, power supply and you can plug the power supply into itself and it can calibrate itself through a tag connect cable. Ooh. Oh, it's getting fancy now. We, I like I'm that. trying to, I, I, I'm taking a process that it's been around for a long time and it works fine, but it's a process that is incredibly manual where somebody is looking at a thing where they're clicking buttons going through and monitoring a system. Uh, and I was like, this can all be done in the processor and it can be done way better and less subjective. So let's have the processor do it. Mm-hmm. And let's use this tag connector while we're at it. So it works out really well, actually. Yeah. So we've been talking a lot about tag connect. Tag connect, if you want to sponsor Macfred <laughs> Engineering Podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Drop us a line at podcast at macfred.com because that'd be a lot of fun. Because um, I, I do like your products a lot. And we are going to talk about a new product. They have. At least, I don't know if it's new, new, but it's new, new to me. It's new to um, me. I saw it last week for the first time. Yeah. So TagConnect's got a new connector called Edge Connect. And it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a, it's a spring-loaded leaf spring connector. So it's not pogo pins, but they're like... Spring-loaded. Sp- spring-loaded, uh, but they're like a leaf. Yeah. Um, and... It slides onto the edge of your board through castellations on the edge of your board. And I was looking at that. I'm like, that's a, it's a really good idea. 
Um, because so I actually have run into problems with some products I've designed that I cannot fit a normal tag connect connector. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly for once you start shrinking stuff down and you start doing double sided load and it like your density goes up so high, you just you still can't find a spot to fit that mm-hmm. connector. Yeah. Um, and how many times have we like chopped off like the 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 locating pins off a, a tag connect too? So like. Because sometimes you have a part on the other side of the tag connect, and so you don't have like the you can't you don't have a free bore for the uh, locating pins. It makes me and cry so, every time I've had to do it. Yeah, so you, yeah, you have to you have to cut off a a pin off your like sixty dollar connector. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so so this has like a little locating. So you you basically the footprint is a little hole in the board that is close to the edge and then a row of castellations. Yes. Uh, and so you kind of slide an uh, an alignment pin into that one hole that you drill and all of these leaf contacts spring over onto the uh the castellations. Mm-hmm. Now, um we were talking about this new edge connect in chat. Uh, I say chat, it's uh Slack. So macfred.com slash Slack. Uh, we're talking about this and there's like a, um, a while back we actually even talked about too, the SOIC like clips mm-hmm. where you can, they make clips that you, you can attach to like uh, IC components. Um, and there are some people who repurpose those for actually like clipping onto the edge of a board, like castellations or pads. Uh, so you can do like, kind of like a tag connect and i actually experimented with those a lot and i found that they're they're okay for programming if you only need it like attached for a little bit but the moment you try to do anything like you're trying to do debugging or jtag or anything like that where your connection needs to last longer than about 10 seconds uh, they just flop off or like disconnect because there's no locating pin because like it's just it's just grabbing on by tension Mm. And so these solve that problem by having that locating pin. So basically once you put that connector on, it's not going to come off unless you want it to come off. Um, you know, okay. So there, there's, there's uh, three things real quick about this that I think might be some downsides to it. Um, first of all, it's even more expensive. It's like, it is more expensive. It's like $84 for one of these connectors, which, yeah. you know, not a big deal if you need to buy one or two for your engineering team. But if you were needing to buy a whole slew of these for production, that could add up pretty quick. Um, yeah, I would agree. So that's a, that's a little bit weird. One thing, uh, that little alignment pin is pretty close to the edge of the board. Uh, your board house might not be super happy about drilling that close to the edge of the board because there might be blowout. Or uh, you could damage the board if you're just a little, you know, if you push a little too hard. Uh, or, or a little pull. vigorous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah if you have some vigor in there. Um, and then the other, the other downside that just comes to mind is that this sort of, it doesn't require it, but it, but it, it, it tends to make your layouts, you, you, you'll want to put your processor near the edge of a board. And it might oh, work yeah, out that your yeah. processor wouldn't make sense to be next to the edge of a board. And then you have to weigh, do I send my programming signals halfway across the board to get to an edge? Uh, and so, yeah. I don't know, there's a little downside to that. The thing about, I used to be like that too. Like, I'm like, oh, those are like 
like high priority signals and blah blah, blah. <laughs> not really Actually, and the thing is they're used typically once or twice in the lifetime of that of your product right and and the great thing about those those wires as long as they're not being used for anything else like some people like well we use all the pins and repurpose programming pins but most people in products don't mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about them in like emissions and stuff because when your product is running you're not sending anything over those pins so right. you can just have really long traces and doesn't matter <laughs> well it's just it's just annoying because you're just eating up board space for a True. one-time thing that's that's the thing with any kind of programming connector well, uh, the only way to get around that is to pre-program your microcontroller, which has its own slew of problems. <laughs> yeah, because you got to say, "I'm going to lock in my firmware," like, like six months before you're even going to start like assembling boards. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Like, you might be able to get away with three months before, but you got plus months. Uh, I think we got Robo Parker. How does that sound for everyone on Twitch? Is it Robo Parker? <laughs> uh, I am Parker. <laughs> this technical malfunction break is brought to you by Xfinity. Yeah, I don't remember where we left off at. Does anyone in chat know? So, because editing this together is going to be really hard. Um, Josh, our sound engineer, just put in like when like the connection drops, just put some like music or something in, and then <laughs> like intermission. We'll just start now. <laughs> yeah, inter- yeah. The Monty Python, the Monty Python. Music. That's what was going through my mind. <laughs> yeah, that's always my favorite. Um, and you can keep this stuff in too. Ah, uh, ah, uh, uh, the the castle of ah. Uh. <laughs> my favorite skit of that is the one where. Can't remember the knight's name, but when he's running at the castle, is that Lancelot? Um, I don't know if it's Lancelot, but it's a castle, and like it's the two guards like eating the apple, and it always like it's like the music resets when they like look when the camera pans down and looks at him running, and just keeps resetting that one shot <laughs> for like five minutes, and then it, and then he long. shows up at the gate and like stabs the guards. <laughs> I still I think that's my favorite gag in that whole movie. Yeah, it's it's Lancelot. That's that's the yeah. one. Yeah, that's such a great gag. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> see, that entire movie is gold. So, I mean, the ending's kind of like it's just like they're like, oh, we've done like an hour and a half. We need to finish. Oh yeah, I, it's like they ran out of ideas and they're like, well, let's just end. It's just like this podcast, right? <laughs> is that your segue to end the podcast? Yes, I actually that would have been a really good segue to end the podcast, but I wanted to throw this out to uh chat and uh our Slack. Um I say chat, I mean Twitch chat and uh and our Slack channel is so next week I think we're going to do another um Idea Fab podcast. I think that's what's I think we still have to confirm it, but I think that's what's happening next week. Um if Slack or Twitch chat or Twitter or whatever, or our, our community comes up with some ideas that we can pitch as like community ideas. Oh, so like, that's cause, cool. Cause Steven and I are going to come up with ideas. Um, 
and the and idea fab they're going to come up with ideas as well um and so if we had community ideas too that'd be great uh, i i just checked uh so it's looking like two weeks from today oh it's two weeks september 28th but that's great that gives that gives us two okay. two uh, two weeks to come up with some community ideas so we've had the idea of uh podcast the idea cast guys come on what this is this will be the third time the third time yeah this will be their third time so uh, i don't remember the numbers off the top of my head but go look back through our our episodes we're this this next one on september 28th that's tentative right now but i think we've we're close to confirming that uh this will be similar to that and we've had so much fun every time we've done these episodes uh so basically we just come up with ideas and then pitch them uh to the other guys on the podcast so yeah i would love to see some community ideas that would be awesome it was and, it was uh episode number 77 which is okay. just called the idea fab podcast and yep. that was back when we were recording with josh down in castle bravo yeah at the basement of the old post office downtown in houston before man that must have been like a, only like a month or six weeks before hurricane harvey he wasn't in there super long no no it wasn't long and it was very shortly after that podcast um that we had to stop record we actually stopped recording with josh for a while because josh couldn't do any recording or anything like that either yeah um and then episode 223 which was uh may last year which was like two or three months into covid covid yeah. lockdown yeah and uh um that one's called episode two uh 223 the inverse the inverted success funnel <laughs> i can't remember what the inverted success funnel was uh, i might I like have to go back and and listen to those just so i can remember what it's like yeah. uh yeah I, I, what i i like that idea let's let's at the end of the podcast after we've all done our things let's pick some of the ones from slack and then call out community um yeah uh projects or whatever you guys come up with yeah i, I this this is actually this is probably one of my favorite like collaboration podcast episodes oh, um yeah. it's just so much fun well okay so we'll call this out we'll 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 call this out again next week on the uh, on the episode but um i guess if you're in our slack channel that's one of the best places to put the ideas and just make it super clear like say like hey this is an idea for the idea fadcast and we'll log that somewhere and yeah, um, yeah. and put it somewhere so that was the macfab engineering podcast we're your hosts, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. Later, everyone. Take it easy. <laughs>